The Florida State Seminoles have one of the most intriguing returning teams for the ACC in college basketball in 2022. I'm joined by Ian Mum. We will be breaking down the Florida State Seminoles and what to look for this year. Upcoming on Locked On NBA Big Board. You are Locked On NBA Big Board, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up? My name is Richard Stamen. You probably know me better as at Draft on Twitter. For the first time in a while, I am joined by a guest that is not Leaf or Sam or Raphael. <laughs> I am joined by somebody who I have never actually met, even though we both live in Dallas, but I, I have interacted with him for a long time on Twitter, knows his stuff inside and out, but a more formal introduction is he's a contributor at the Busting Brackets. Uh, he does NBA, college basketball, WNBA picks. And he's also the founder of Five on Five. He's really just deep into the game on every single level, high school, college, NBA, WNBA, like all of it. He knows his stuff inside out. I always see him commenting on the obscure things I'm looking for when I search. So I had to bring him on because I was talking, I was looking at Florida State stuff and Ian's name popped up a lot. Ian, how are you doing today? And welcome to the show. I'm doing great, Richard. Thank you for having me on. Hey, always a pleasure to have you and uh, always good to talk to you. We're going to be talking about the Florida State Seminoles. I uh, want to thank everybody for listening uh, during the offseason. I know this is a grind, uh, so we really appreciate you sticking with us. But the Florida State Seminoles are a really interesting team. They didn't make the NCAA tournament. They're a staple over the last few years. But they have a lot of intriguing young talent, a bunch of lower classmen, sophomores and freshmen that could make some splash. How do you feel about this Florida State team as a whole? Like, what what are you looking for? What excites you? What makes you nervous? All of it. Yeah, um, Florida State in general, you know, is a program that that gives me a lot of excitement year over year. Um, I'm probably one of the few that gets a little too excited about what they do in the offseason. This year is no surprise. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm honestly scratching my head a little bit about this group, um, you know, kind of doing some research. This is the figures to be the youngest rotation the Seminoles have since 1920 season um, and the youngest roster they have in general since 09-10. You know, so you're getting a lot of freshman, sophomore development hopefully happening uh, under Leonard Hamilton this year. Um, But we'll see, you know, there was, there was a a surprising drop off with their performance last year. I didn't feel that that necessarily should have been the case, but I know they had some, some front court issues with injuries. Uh, So, you know, it's going to be really interesting to to follow them this year and see if they're able to put the pieces back together with some of the moves they made. Yeah, they were 17 and 14 last year, which was eighth in the ACC. They were 10 and 10, only 500 in conference play. Uh, I think a lot of people were shocked to see them lose John Butler. But for the most part, they returned the exact same team. I think him and Malik Osborne were like the two or maybe it was Raekwon Evans, maybe both. I forget one of them came back and has an extra year of eligibility. But they generally have a similar team. I mean, Caleb Mills is going to be there. Matthew Cleveland is going to be there. Those are the two main scores. You also have Jalen Worley returning. Um, and then Cameron Fletcher as well, who he was over at Kentucky to start his career transfer to Florida State. And then they also have two top 100 recruits in Cam Corrin and Deontay Green. And then also Chandler Jackson, who's a fringe top 100 prospect. So there's a lot of youth. That is already seven names right there that are simply just that's lower classmen. Uh, Caleb Mills, I think, is the only one I said that was an upperclassman in that. So there's a lot of unknowns in there. Uh, who in particular excites you on that team like that you're really looking forward to this year of watching? Yeah, I think the the late addition of Baba Miller to the 
uh, the roster, you know, was, was really interesting for them. Uh, it's a huge signing, um, you know, especially as you mentioned with John Butler making such a big splash last year. I think that was unexpected for a lot of people that he can immediately come into this roster and, and fill an identical role essentially to, to what they were able to do last year. So um, I particularly have not seen a ton of him um, myself. So seeing him able to come in, um, you know, with Florida State's pedigree, trying to be extra physical. Uh, I don't know how his frame is going to work out with that uh, off the bat, but um, his skill set, you know, should immediately translate, give him a boost to the offense that they desperately need. Um, also, Darren Green coming over from Central Florida, uh, I think is going to be particularly interesting. Um, and I'm also curious, you know, if, if uh, he performs to a similar level at Florida State this year against, you know, national TV exposure, things like that, that they're able to provide, how that, uh, you know, elevates his draft stock. Yeah, I, I completely miss Darren Green. I think he is one of the best shooters that was on the transfer market. Uh, I didn't even realize how good of a shooter he was because I remember watching him at UCF, but his numbers are just absurd. I mean, career 39% shooter from three on six and a half attempts per game, 76% from the line, so it's not really a fluke. Can shoot off movement, catch and shoot. Really just a solid off-ball player that's going to make everybody around him better. And because of that, I see him just as simply – um, one of the best transfers in the market. And also Baba Miller, I don't know how I forgot about him. You said a late addition, seven footer with some ball skills and just can shoot. Like I, I think he's somebody who could get a lottery and it almost makes it tough because there were strong recruiting class before him. Like it wasn't like crazy strong or anything, but I really thought guys like Cam Corin would be able to, to be impact players, but that almost limits it because where do you find time for all of these guys? There, it's a lot of the staff rotation and I don't know. I think it could go a lot of different directions. So uh, what do you think the big man rotation looks like with them? Because, I mean, that's that's three guys right there with Green, um, Corrin, and and uh, and Baba Miller. Yeah, um, I think – I honestly think you're going to see a lot more of, like, a, a four-out type alignment they have. But you, implementing Corrin, Green, Baba Miller, um, you know, Baba is probably naturally more of a, a small forward, but I think because of – guys like Matt Cleveland, uh, Warley that you mentioned, uh, Cam Fletcher, they may have to slide up a position in this case. Uh, and I, I think that gives the Knowles an advantage offensively, honestly, more height, uh, you know, two-way effectiveness, if you will. Um, but I don't see how Naheem McLeod doesn't get the start at center. So, you know, again, we're creating the logjam of what Leonard Hamilton's going to have to deal with. McLeod itself, is, you know, is purely defensive oriented for them and what they're going to be able to do. But um, you know, I, I don't think that this team has a true center behind him. So you probably are going to have instances where you get five out as well. And we're going to get a lot of driving lanes for guys like Cam Mills and Darren Green. So, uh, it's going to be really interesting, but unfortunately, um, you know, the, seeing these huge breakouts for guys like Matt Cleveland, Cam Fletcher, uh, may be a little more difficult with instances of, of Baba Miller coming in, Darren Green, because they're obviously going to take away minutes and touches away. Yeah, it makes it interesting to see who's going to be a one-and-done because, like, Florida State doesn't have a ton of one-and-dones. Uh, I mean, Jonathan Isaac is one of the very biggest, uh, and I feel like I'm absolutely blanking on somebody recently. Uh, Patrick Williams is who I was thinking of. A lot of these guys are sophomores or juniors when they go out. I mean, Terrence Mann was a senior. He was a four-year player, if I'm not mistaken, so – Somebody's going to emerge, and that's just the Florida State way. Uh, we'll be talking about a lot of these guys in more detail, like Matt Cleveland, Jalen Morley, uh, and Cam Corn as well. But first, let me tell you about Built Bar. 
If you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor. Are you ready? It's delicious, indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate. That's right. Built has done it again. Let me introduce you to your new favorite cookie dough chunk puffs. They have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks, and of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. You get all the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it. Plus, it's healthy for you. They're only 160 calories, and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. So go to Built.com and snag a box for you and the family. It'll be the perfect treat, or you can find a really good hiding place like I've done and just hoard them for yourselves. So what's great about Built is that all their bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. You're going to love the new cookie dough chunk puff. Whether you need a snack for your workout, a late night treat, or just need to grab a quick bite. Built is the perfect protein bar and they taste better than a candy bar. Ditch the calories, fat, and sugar. Grab yourself a Built bar. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKEDON15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKEDON15. So again, I am Richard Stamen, known as Draft on Twitter. I'm joined by Ian Mum. We are breaking down the Florida State Seminoles 2022-23 season and their stacked underclassmen roster. So let's start with the backcourt, the wings and backcourts is how I'd, I'd want to do this. I know we've talked a, a bit about Matthew Cleveland on this show generally for the past few months. We thought he was actually going to be in this draft, didn't end up doing so. What are your hopes for him? What's your evaluation on Matthew Cleveland? Because I think he's probably their number one prospect for this year outside of Bob and Miller. Yeah, uh, I think, you know, his his physical intangibles are really attractive to the NBA draft pool. Um, I was surprised as you uh, that he wasn't in this group, especially, you know, him making the seven, eight game run that he did to end the season. Um, double figures in each. He really increased his uh, shot opportunities and feel like he got rid of some of that timidness that he had at the beginning of the year. Um, so my hope anyway is that, you know, he's able to continue that momentum from the end of the year into the start of the year. I don't know how that's going to work with Darren Green bringing in a veteran guy. Uh, you know, it's going to take away a significant amount of shot opportunities. But uh, I think as long as Matt Cleveland maintains a lot of his assertiveness, that it's going to bode well for him, at least coming out of the draft this year. Um, you know, surprisingly, looking at this morning uh, relative to Scotty Barnes and, you know, adding to why I didn't find him in the draft, um, you know, only Scotty Barnes outplayed him in regards to assists and steals last year, uh, comparing season to season. So, uh, you know, I, I really thought Cleveland would have been an asset for the NBA uh, with, with how he played and how he seemed to figure things out. But, um, yeah, I like as, as long as he steps up to the plate immediately and he's not deferring to Caleb Mills or everybody else in the backcourt, he's, he should have a good ceiling. Yeah, and – I, I realized I left, I, you said his name, and I just, I feel like an idiot after this. It was only a year ago. Scotty Barnes was the big one and done I was blanking on, not Patrick Williams. I mean, granted, both were number four, but uh, back to Matthew Cleveland. I mean, yeah, I, I agree. Um, I really like Cleveland personally. I'm trying to find a shot chart for him or anything, because in my notes, I, I just loved his finishing. I think his, his length really helps him offensively. Um, I think he's a good athlete, needs an instinctual cutter, uh, just knows where to be at all times and i really like that stuff i don't know if he's necessarily like he's probably not somebody who's going to be more than a role player in the nba but he's a valuable role player and i, I know it's so yeah. cheap to compare guys that went to the same school but i could really see him taking almost like a devin vassell jump like i love his defense um i again i like his finishing on offense i don't like his jump shot very much i think it's kind of uh simply put gross i think it needs to be redone 
But what what do you think of uh, is that too cheap of a comparison? Like, what do you think of that? No, I, I like that. I mean, he's he's not as uh, defensively adept as you know Scotty Barnes is. It's a very unique example. Um, but you know, I think having these year two guys that suddenly shoot out of the program, you know, he's certainly in in the running to be one or be the next one. Um, you know, so he, he provides that three level scoring that, that the NBA needs. He has every other physical tool that you'd want. Um, you know, I, I think if he just decides to be a little more assertive then you know, he's going to be there. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, yeah, sorry, sorry to cut in, but no, I think, yeah, if, if you're going to get a lot more primary ball handling from Kayla Mills and Darren green, you know, as you mentioned backcourt or a uh, uh, cutting behind the defense, you know, it's going to be open a lot more frequently. Yeah, he's going to get easy points. He should be efficient. Like, I, I just I don't see a way he isn't. He already shot 45% as a freshman, abysmal 17.5% from yep. three and 55% from the line. And the line, really good sample size, 110 free throws. So that was not a fluke, I don't think. Um, he's got to become like a defensive specialist that can finish at the rim. That's going to be a saving grace. And honestly, I'd also like to see playmaking jump. It's not like he's a bad playmaker or anything, but had a one-to-one assist turnover ratio. I think that could be a lot better, kind of like you indicated as well. Um, that would be big for me. Another guy who I think this might be my number one ranked Florida prospect, even with Baba, just because I don't know what to expect from Miller. Uh, I love Jalen Morley. I am all yeah. in on him. What are your thoughts on him? Uh, yeah, I was really high on him coming out of West Town, um, and I was surprised that he didn't have a bigger impact for the team last year. I guess, you know, everything that happened with the Knowles last year is kind of you know, big question mark, but, um, you know, he's, he's another guy that I was surprised that didn't have a bit more assertiveness given, uh, the primary ball handling opportunities that he had, uh, you know, reviewing the film, he seemed, you know, uh, specifically against Duke, he had size on a matchup with, with, uh, Jeremy Roach and, you know, he'd make his initial cut and get turned uh, and he has the physicality to continue downhill, get to the free throw line, but he'd prefer to just pass it out at that point. So he only had, uh, one game last year of of ten shot attempts, uh, actually only two with nine plus. So, um, you know, really making offensive contributions part of his game were very far from where you'd expect. Um, he's a great playmaker, excellent on the glass for his position and size. Um, he had multiple games of of high steals, so he can contribute. I think if he just wants to take the next step uh, with the program as well as trying to make the NBA, he really has to try to score the ball more. Um, with the roster as it stands, he's probably looking at, uh, you know, being the six-man guy first off the bench for for this group. Um, if he can accept that uh, and, and fully take it on the head of, of what it is, then hopefully those shot opportunities will follow. Yeah, I, I agree with almost every single thing you said. The the aggressiveness is something I couldn't quite put into words. I don't know why it's not like yeah. um, sometimes that stuff can just be lost. You're like, what is it not clicking? And it's usually a lot of times it is that where he would pick up his dribble too quick. However, luckily he's a very good playmaker. Like you, you said that like he, I I'm enamored by it. That blew me away. Just watching some of his assists back where he would manipulate, like he just doesn't, he doesn't have a tell as a passer. Like you don't yeah. know what he's doing. And when you're a playmaker, that's really helpful. And at like six, five, six, six, that's huge. Like you said, though, he does need to be more aggressive. I think that plus his mediocre athleticism is why I didn't realize this number was so low. This is worse than Caleb love, but he shot 34% from two 
at FSU yeah. as a freshman. Like that's that's really bad. So he needs to get better at that. I re- buy his jump shot. I think he's just really raw. And you know, I, I, as a sophomore, you want to see him take that jump. You said Florida State. They those guys they do take jumps. Uh, it's kind of a norm for them. Can Jalen Worley be the next guy? I don't know. I personally have him as like a Josh Primo type, maybe a year behind the curve on him. But if you still get that one year later, I think you're, you know, that's that's a potentially draftable player at 6'6". I like his defense. I think he has at least the foot speed. Uh, maybe better athleticism would help him be better on that end. And, you know, just being stronger and more physically mature would do wonders. But for now, I think you look at just the raw skill and and there's a lot of hope there. So I could see I could see him just coming a primo in a way. Maybe the shot creation needs to take a jump. But uh, do you think that's an outlandish claim on, on uh, primo to Worley? Uh, I, I wouldn't say so. I think the hard thing is, you know, when uh, in, in the game I referenced where he took 10 shots, he shot 60% from the floor, two from three from the perimeter for 15 points. Now is the return trip at Duke. So I think he can do it if he decides to. I don't. I didn't look at the the rest of the score. Uh, the film wasn't available either. You know, of, of if people were out and he just you know had to be the one to shoot it. Uh, but you know, maybe maybe as a size dif- size differential approach. But I I recall back to like uh, the Pangos All American game when he was in it, and uh, you know you had Matt Cleveland there too. Did fairly well. He he still seemed timid in that setting. So I don't know if if this is just going to be another development year for him and he needs further confidence to feel that way. Uh, or if this is going to be the prime opportunity for him to do it, um, you know, feeling like the instances he decided to be more aggressive, the other game where he had nine shots, he was two for nine. So you're going to have games like that, but I, I feel like if he just decides to take it on the chin and, and put shots up as Cleveland did last year, you know, his stock should increase. Yeah, I mean, we all remember that Matthew Cleveland game winner. Like, he wasn't scared to take it. Obviously, that was, like, an insanely fluky shot. So, I'm not saying he needs to be taking these, like, moving jumpers on the, like, five feet behind the line. Excuse me. But, like, just not being scared of the big moment would be huge for him. Like, I I completely agree. And for me, it's not a physical or it's not a, excuse me, it's not a skill issue with Jalen Morley or anything. It's just can he consistently mentally walk in to be an alpha dog? And I think it's a lame term, but it really is relevant, I think, for guys like Jalen Worley. Uh, so it looks like we're pretty on par with Matthew Cleveland and Jalen Worley. Uh, I might be a little bit higher on Worley just because I love the sophomores that could take a jump with size, playmaking. Uh, I think he'll eventually shoot the ball. The numbers weren't as strong, 30%, 67% from the line. But ultimately, I think both of us remain high on him. We'll talk about some of the big men in centers uh, in just a moment after a quick word from our sponsors. So back here with Ian Mum, my name is Richard Stamen. We are going to finish this talking about the big men on Florida State. We already talked about the guards and just the overall team as a whole, what to look forward to. Uh, We both have high expectations for the team. We both like Matt Cleveland, Jalen Worley. Now let's get to the big men. There are a lot, uh, I think three main ones to talk about. Uh, McLeod is really good, but like, I don't know if he's going to play in the NBA, uh, given that he's a little bit older, um, 7'4", 250". I don't know how his perimeter game is. I don't think it's that great. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, no. <laughs> so it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to profile that towards the NBA. So we'll talk about the three young guys, and that is Baba Miller, Cam Corden, and also Deontay Green. So let's start with Baba Miller. Um, what do you What do you like about him? I know you and I kind of in the same boat. We're not entirely familiar with him. There's not a ton available on him, but what do you like so far of him, and what do you expect of him? 
Yeah, um, he from from what I saw and gathered, you know, he's going to bring a lot more of uh, his own shot creation from the perimeter. So, you know, imagine what John Butler did was able to do effectively from the perimeter, cover a lot of ground defensively. You get all that in Baba Miller. Um, but now he's going to be another primary asset that you can uh, have everybody else play off ball and play off his creation if he decides to kick out or score at the rim. Um, but, you know, you can also post him up, and his length provides a lot of problem for guards or even forwards, and he's, he's taken a lot of trips to the free throw line. So uh, I think it's a really advantageous position for Leonard Hamilton to be in. Um, the other two we're going to talk about can really stretch the floor too. So I think you're just going to have a, a turn style effectively and be able to, you know, punch one in and out. Yeah, and I was looking up some some clips on Twitter because, again, I haven't seen any full games myself. I've done almost just like secondhand scouting on him. But he had a massive growth growth spurt from 6'2". He was a point guard, and now he's 6'11", 7 foot, and has, still has those ball skills. And there's one play. I just retweeted it. So you'll be able to see this uh, on my timeline. But he he goes – he gets the ball, goes coast to coast, delivers a really nice dump off pass on the move off the drive, like almost around the defender blindly. And it's just like those ball skills at his size, that's a really special player. We see it almost every year. We fall in love with these guys, 6'10 and above. I mean, like the Raptors. Uh, and actually, you know what? Let me let me just correct myself here. Not just the Raptors, but also we've seen Florida State guys with great size and length and strides and all that be jumbo playmakers uh, and win rookie of the year. So it's, uh, you know, it's not entirely uncommon. I think Leonard Hamilton is excited probably to work with Baba Miller. And just because of that combination, you look at, he can shoot, he can handle the ball and he's big. And like, he can hold his own on the defensive end from my understanding. I don't know one way or another, if he leans in poorly or positively, I can't speak to that just yet, but the upside with him is just oozing. And, and for that, he might be their best prospect. I still right now have Jalen Worley, Worley, but it's almost an ignorance thing for me. Um, yeah. So I, I can't, you know, speak a ton to that, but another guy, unless you have something on uh on Baba Miller that I know both of us have talked about before is Cam Corin, who he's from Dallas. Um, and I, I actually got to complete chance. I was just at the gym shooting around. I, I see this giant walk in wearing a Florida state shirt. And I'm like, this guy was really familiar and he's young. He's with his dad, two very tall people. They're starting to shoot on my court. I, I go to my phone, I check up and I'm like, who is this? He looks so familiar. And it was Cam Corin. Uh, I actually know, his trainer, he had invited me out several times to see Cam. I couldn't ever make it out, which really, really sucked. But I was impressed. He's 6'9", 6'10", with a good jump shot. I really thought it looked clean for somebody his size. He was working on just mid-post fadeaways and then catch and shoot on the perimeter. And I really liked what I saw. I know he's also been tearing it up on the international tour. I have some of his numbers from one of his games against, uh, I forget what team it was, but um, where he had a good game. He went five of seven, had 12 points, uh, had th only three rebounds, but he was able to score the ball in 21 minutes. And I think there's a lot to like. So what do you like on Cam Corn? Yeah, he's, he's a really strong uh, pick and pop type guy. Um, you can also plan him up anywhere along the perimeter. Uh, guys like Caleb Mills, who are going to want to get in the paint uh, as much as they can. Um, you know, you're going to, he's going to be a perfect target for him to, to kick out to. Uh, but you know, I, as, as long as I've seen him in person, uh, and, and followed his development prior to Florida state, uh, he's really worked on his footwork in the post. So as you alluded to, uh, his, his mid range game, short corner, things like that are going to be viable assets for him, uh, next season. Um, but as, as much as I know, uh, you know, being able to put the ball on the floor and, and contribute in that way too, I don't know if you're going to get a lot of like 
pull-up action, particularly from him, but, uh, you know, definitely being able to get to the rim, relying on a shot from the perimeter and, and using those two interchangeably um, is going to be big assets for him next year. I know he was kind of kind of behind some some major names, Terrace Reed going to Michigan at Sunrise last year, but he still put up eight and a half and six boards, uh, still very reliable on defensive end. And, and as you said as well, he's done well in the foreign tour. So positive things to look forward to. Yeah, and and you said it. I actually love the point about the footwork. That was something he was working on when I saw him was he was taking bumps and keeping his feet steady and like not traveling, anything like that, and still able to pull off his moves. I really like that stuff. Yeah, he's going to be a pick-and-pop guy, probably an off-ball shooter at this point, is my guess for this Florida State team. I think a really optimistic outlook for him would be playing the cabin jelly role. Like, you look at just a 6'10 guy who can – be a mismatch and stretching the floor next to a big uh, if I'm not I think Kevin Jelly had Christ Kamaji next to him um, yeah. so I, I could see something similar with if Baba Miller's out there or Naheem McLeod is out there uh, you know he's able just to fit right next to them uh, and then the last one I actually don't know a ton about Deontay Green do you do you have any insight on him uh, I, I don't have extensive knowledge on his game relative to to Corin. um but, you know, I think he's a similar mold to to what Cam can do and what Baba can do. Uh, I don't think you're going to get a ton of, you know, primary on-ball creation that, that Baba brings. But similarly to Cam, you know, pick-and-pop situations, uh, catch-and-shoot from anywhere on the floor, essentially. Uh, I think interior-wise, you know, compared to Cam, Cam's going to be more your finesse guy. And it looks like Deontay's going to have a little more power to his game. So, uh, you know, to, to me right now entering the season – those two guys are kind of a coin flip of who's going to back up Baba Miller or if one is going to be primarily behind the cloud. But, uh, you know, it really puts Leonard Hamilton uh, in a strong position to to play to his opponent, essentially, if you will. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Leonard Hamilton's excited after last year. I mean, I think it was kind of lacking for top end talent. And he's probably excited to have that back. Uh, it's always a good problem when you have too many good players. So uh, Florida State's going to be a really exciting team and interesting to watch, see how they actually like perform on a college level but on a draft level i mean there's a handful of prospects this is a team that went from zero to to three or four so i really like them i'm looking forward to them ian tell everybody where they can find you on twitter anything you got coming up anything like that feel free floor is yours to plug anything you want yeah uh not really anything coming up just continuing to scout classes and, and see hopefully put out more content for uh leading up to the season on busting brackets on my own page but you can find me on twitter at five on five hoops and fives on fives are spelled out. Awesome. Hey, thank you so much for joining. And uh, we'll be back later this week talking more college basketball. Have a wonderful rest of your day.